1: Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers, a brand new show from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, putting a lot of energy into my intro today because Graham Bailey just criticized me for not having enough energy at the start of these shows over the last few weeks. Welcome to the show, Graham. How are you today,
2: mate? I'm doing good, mate. I'm feeling a bit better than you today, I think, though, aren't I?
1: Yeah, uh, COVID has unfortunately got me, um, but I am plodding on powering through as we go toby cudworth untouched by by covid over the last two and a mm-hmm. half years the last member mm-hmm. of the nightman team to be I untouched am. by covid I you am. must I'm feel la- like superman
0: i am the last man standing and i've managed to do that by basically avoiding all human contact for the last two and a half years but now i've won that crown you can expect to see me in the flesh far more often
1: harry simiou <laughs> uh, you've had covid right how did you twice how did it go down? twice twice yeah twice. Uh, but you're fully recovered, just waiting for Arsenal to wrap up some more signings after Gabby Jesus has joined this week, I'm guessing.
3: Yeah, just uh, looking forward to hopefully getting moving in a couple of other areas so that we can really start looking forward to the new season. It's not far away now, is it? It's about a month. It's, yeah. the fifth, yeah. it's literally a month yeah, today. No, We're no. recording this on the 5th
1: of July. 5th of August is, oh, Arsenal kicking off on a Friday
2: Only three weeks for the championship's Only three weeks for the, going, three weeks for the Mighty Mills, are in their first win. Uh, Nobody cares Nid- about that. Middlesbrough <laughs> with a glorious
1: new away kit today, Graham, you just said.
2: Yeah, I've just said that to guys. We um, we had Ravinelli last week, and this week we've got the mighty Massimo Macaroni. Um, oh, what a player, the new away kit. Yeah, so oh, oh, I, nice. I quite I like that. Like I don't yeah, like Massimo Macaroni.
0: The only time I've been to the Riverside was to watch him score the only goal in a 1 0 win over West Ham in 2006, I want to say. He didn't didn't,
2: didn't score many league goals, so obviously. I know, that's why I was so (laughs) disappointed.
0: (laughs) I went to go and see Carlos Tevez, and inevitably we had him on the bench because that's how we used him for most of that season, which was uh, unusual to say the least.
1: Why is Macaroni on one of these? It's a nice kit, by the way. Why is Macaroni on one of these pitchers got his fists up like this,
2: like he's going to punch someone? I think we just ran out of ideas. I think, Uh, yeah, because we've we've switched back from um, our previous. We only ever used three kit manufacturers at Middlesbrough. Really, we used Adidas, Hummel, and the Italians, Aria, who was our kit manufacturer during our um, most successful period of time when we won all the uh, our one trophy and got to Europe, etc. But yeah, (laughs) so um, yeah, we're back with Aria now, and so yeah, we've used um, Ravnelli and Macaroni. That's this, the kits, but I'm not sure why he's doing that. Maybe the Italian gladiator sort of thing, Scott. Maybe.
1: Yeah, we we know, listener, that you come to this podcast for the latest on Middlesbrough's kits. So hopefully you've <laughs> got your fix. Uh, Is a nice kit actually. Just go and check it out on at @Borough on Twitter. There's a uh, current players and Massimo Macaroni modelling those new kits. But mm-hmm. we are here to talk about transfers. Uh, That is the title of the show, obviously, Talking Transfers. So uh, definitely subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Harry Simu, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. Uh, You can follow us on YouTube as well, uh, the 90 Min YouTube channel. Drop a comment on the show if you're watching. If you're listening on audio, go on YouTube as well and follow us there. Watch us there. Drop a comment, et cetera, et cetera. We'll dig into a, a lot of famous players today perhaps the most famous footballer in the world as it stands, is looking to get another move a year after he moved to United. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo wants to leave. Uh, we'll also talk about Moussa Diaby. We'll talk about Christian Eriksen. We'll talk Paolo Dybala, Matthias De Ligt, Raheem Sterling a little bit and some potential new arrivals at Leeds as well. well. I say potential, very likely new arrivals at Leeds in the next few days. Let's jump in to the show, though, because uh, we've got to get a move on. Moussa Diaby to Newcastle, Graham, is a story that you broke this morning. Please talk us through
2: what the hell's going on there. Yeah, it's a nice, nice segue from Middlesbrough Street to Newcastle and Northeast rivals. Scott, yeah, Moussa Diaby is next on the radar for Newcastle. They've already had a very busy summer, um getting Sven Bottman in, uh, Nick Pope, And Matt Target, so it's very, very. They've been building nicely, and now they still want another midfielder. They still want another number nine, but they want a, a winger as well. We know they've got the likes of Sam Maximum, but they're looking to upgrade. And Moussa Diaby is a significant upgrade, especially on someone like Sam Maximum. Diaby is a wonderful player. This guy is special. Eight caps for France, and just look at his figures from even from last year. Scott, you know, 13 goals, 12 assists. In the Bundesliga, and the stat which I also like is the eight yellow cards and one red card. That tells me he's a physical chap. Um, so oh, I think, yeah, I don't. I think with I think with eight yellow cards and a, and a red, I think there's a bit more to it than than just arguing back. I, w- I would suggest Harry. I think I've heard he's, he likes to tackle, but yeah, he's players on the right. He's they got him from PSG in 2019. He's come through that system. See PSG, we, we mentioned this the other day, didn't we? And the, the losing Kunku and Diaby. <laughs> two, two of the most in-demand wingers in Europe. Uh, something's going wrong at PSG somewhere. But this guy is a really, really good player. Newcastle have done a bit of background work on this, I'm told. They think they can get him out. Leverkusen have said they don't want to sell because they are actually pushing on for the title. They think they can make a challenge next season. But, yeah, I've been told a, a club record deal. About 45 might do it. Maybe have to push to 50. Um, but Newcastle, there's a bit of confidence here in this one. They think can do it. Obviously, bonus points for whoever can tell me who is Newcastle's current record signing. Uh, Jolietton? Yes, uh, yeah, 39 million. How so many
1: bonus was, points does Harry get awarded there?
2: I guess one. I think he, I don't trust he didn't Google it. He's a very quick signing. That oh, it was very fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him have it. Impossible. I'll let him have it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, quite right. So I think Newcastle be quite glad to, even though Joel Linton's having a bit of a resurgence in his career there. Again, this is taking it to a new level. They had Joel Linton, one of the ones, at wide and he did well. But if they want to aim for the top six, as I think they might get next season, obviously we mentioned our United bet in here before between the three of us. I think Newcastle, if they get Diaby, and then they get the midfielder next to Bruno and the striker, they are going to be one of our teams to watch next year. So let's keep down Diaby. They're progressing with this. This one will take off in the next couple of weeks, uh, but they have, there is confidence at St James's in game. It uh, is important
1: to mention uh, also in this story on nightman.com that there's interest uh, t- from Newcastle in the likes of Anthony Gordon and Chelsea's Callum Hudson-Odoi. Uh, you can check out that story on nightman.com, but it does look as though Moussa Diaby is Newcastle's primary transfer target. And uh, just a word on PSG. Obviously, they have announced today that Mauricio Pochettino has been sacked. Christophe Galtier will replace him. And Graham, you mentioned there about PSG players from their academy going on to become some of the most in-demand players in world football. Perhaps they're looking to fix that with uh, these new appointments of uh, Luis Campos and that kind of thing. Changing strategy, perhaps, Toby or Harry? What do you reckon? Uh,
0: Maybe from the management's point of view, but I think we've said before, the Qatari owners... Have got their own plan in place. They want big name signings and marquee signings. I can't see that changing, to be honest. Um, we'll get to Cristiano Ronaldo shortly, but that doesn't really align with bringing through young talent, does it? Um,
3: yeah, it's it's a weird one. I n- I never really ever felt that Pochettino was going to succeed at PSG. It always felt like one of those where he was walking. He was kind of walking on thin ice and. Yeah. I'm not surprised that he's gone new approach, maybe hopefully, because I don't think what PSG do is, I don't want to say it's not sustainable because they've got so much money, but it is a bit, I don't know. You want to see them do things a little bit better. I think just my opinion. So yeah. Why not change approach?
1: Harry didn't, uh, didn't think Poch would really work out is an Arsenal fan. Obviously I don't know whether there's anything to do with that, with it, but yeah, it has not worked out for Pochettino at PSG. Uh, New manager in place now. It's been in the works for what seems like months. Uh, But Pochettino out of work. We'll see where he ends up next. But PSG are moving forward. And Newcastle are moving forward as well. Harry, are you worried potentially that Newcastle could finish above Arsenal next season?
3: Um, I'm not going to say I'm worried about it now. I don't think so. I I still don't think they're at that point yet. I still think they need to make a few more uh, sort of big name signings. Not even necessarily big names, but influential signings before they can be talked about in that conversation. like I know they did well in the second half of last season when Eddie Howe came in, but they're still a long way off of challenging for Europe. You know, maybe they can bridge that gap with some transfers, with some, um, you know, improved coaching. We know that Eddie Howe went in there and, and really got them playing again in comparison to how things were under Steve Bruce. But I, I still think talk of them finishing above the traditional big six at the moment is still slightly premature.
1: Lovely little tie-in that leads me to uh, one of the traditional big six. Uh, Man United potentially losing Cristiano Ronaldo. We've reported on nightman.com over the last few days of Ronaldo's intention to move and to leave Old Trafford if a suitable offer comes in. As far as we understand it, United are absolutely digging their heels in and uh, just making it clear that Ronaldo is not for sale. It's always been in the Eric Ten Hag plan to work with Ronaldo. Obviously, 18 Premier League goals last season in a dysfunctional United team with an attack that didn't work out. Uh, but he's under contract for another year, Graham. Uh, what do you make of this one? Is he going to get his move? And who are the real contenders for him if he does? United don't want to sell at the moment, do they?
2: No, it does remind us a bit of what happened at Juve, doesn't it, Scott, towards the end of his time there? But I think it made difference as there was major suitors in, in terms of Manchester United. We do know that there is an interest in him from Chelsea, if it's Todd Burley, um, in a, a marquee signing. But Thomas Tuchel will have the last say on that. They do need a new number 9. Chelsea, we're hearing a, a few bits of interest in other strikers around. But yeah, Ronaldo is on their list. Uh, we know they like him. Bayern Munich are being kept informed. And the aforementioned PSG as well. Doesn't seem a likely one, but the Qataris love Ronaldo. They were looking at him when they gets to Dan. I wouldn't rule PSG out this equation at all there's always room for Ronaldo when it comes to this. Louis Campos, yeah, as we discussed, he's not a Louis Campos player. He won't be a Galtier player. But as Toby said, the Qataris rule the roost in PSG. And if they want Cristiano Ronaldo, they will get him. And it's a consideration. And it's got to be a real worry for United. As you know, Scott, it's come from nowhere. United weren't expecting this. They were looking at one striker, Darwin Nunes, but a a main striker wasn't particularly high on the agenda, was it, Scott? And it hasn't been for United. This their main attacking target, as we reported, is become Anthony because they're presuming they had Rashford and Ronaldo down the middle. I I don't know if this will change things. We expect out Ten High to meet with Ronaldo before they fly off to is it Thailand they're flying off to on this week? They fly out on
1: Friday. Uh you know, obviously Ronaldo though is not present at preseason training at the moment. So how will, will they meet face to face? Will they do it over WhatsApp or Zoom?
2: Yeah, I alluded to maybe of Ronaldo's intercom as he refuses to answer the door. Um, It's it's a strange one. You know, Ronaldo normally gets what he wants in this situation. I I don't think, though, that he will dig it. It's a tough one. I don't think he'll dig in too much. It depends how strong the interest is from Chelsea, the Bayerns, the PSGs of this world. He'll only go to a club where he can win silverware. As we discussed last week, Scott, I do wonder if he ends up at Bayern. You know, There's no player in history... Who has won the top four leagues in in Europe in in Europe Germany Italy Spain and it's in England I'm missing out England um, There's no players ever won those top four leagues in history Robin came close but one was Holland Does he want to win another league possibly And so yeah it, this one hasn't progressed yet The clubs are talking. United aren't responding to offers at the moment. There's an offers and not responding to clubs because they want to really get to the bottom of this Ronaldo situation. But I think by Friday and his presumably not on the flight to Thailand, we'll know a bit more, Scott. But yeah, it's um I suspect we'll be talking about Ronaldo for a couple of weeks at least. I definitely don't expect
1: Ronaldo to be on that flight to Thailand. Uh, I I per- this is a personal thing, I think he might dig his heels in. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, and Toby, I'm keen to... Why do you
2: think he wants to go, Scott? What, why do you think he wants to go? I
1: just think a, he's... a silverware angle? Silverware, I think the United get a deduction of wages if they don't qualify for the Champions League. I think that's probably something to do with it. Um, United aren't going to win the league this year. They're not going to be in the Champions League. I think there's a lot to do with that. And yeah, I think it just makes sense for him to... Try and get out if he can because he's only got a
2: few years left. The time Four, is strange, wasn't it? Why, why didn't Why didn't he push more towards Inter? See, that's what I find a bit strange. Where he's allowed Ten High to come in, he's allowed to build up, and it seems to have waited quite a good six weeks before, yeah. he have, before he should have done this.
3: Yeah, I, I, I... but has he though, or is it just? We've not got wind of it until this point. Like, could that have been communicated earlier on? Is there a possibility that it just took a bit of time for it to come out into the public domain? I don't know.
2: United. Well, United caught, caught United by surprise, Harry. That's for sure. They, they, they're not happy at all. United. They, they. He might have been working in the background. I think his agents probably have been all summer. You know, meeting. But United certainly weren't aware. Okay. Yeah, do we re-
0: but- do we reckon this has got anything to do with the captaincy? this has been an ongoing issue for the last couple of months. Ronaldo potentially ousting Harry Maguire and a bit of discontent in the dressing room. Maybe has that conversation not gone the way that we thought it would and Ronaldo's stewed on that a bit and thought, you know what, this isn't for me anymore.
1: I'm not sure. I think he's just taken his holiday at the end of the season, thought about his future, reflected on it. And maybe there's something to do with, obviously, George Mendes is one of the most high-profile agents in the world. Perhaps something has emerged that is relatively concrete for noise to be starting to be made um we'll see i mean i i don't know how this will go i don't know where is the best option for him obviously barcelona have been linked as well last few days but you know that one will be crazy uh but you never know it's barcelona so uh we'll see but toby i did want to come to you graham mentioned there that it's a big blow for united as a as a united fan though i spoke about this on the promised land podcast and on the ninety Min YouTube channel on Monday about it being a massive blow. I look at this and I think it's a potentially, I think United should do it personally. How do, you, how do you sit around this?
0: Yeah, I think it's the right time. If this is going to happen at the start of Eric Ten Hag's reign, probably makes the most sense. This is a complete reset for United. What's the point in having a year of a potentially unhappy Ronaldo up front when you could solve the problem right now? And OK, United may come fifth or sixth as a result this season because... They're already come able...
1: fifth or sixth anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, if they're not able to replace Ronaldo's goals this season, that's then the marquee signing for the next transfer window. Um, I think it might be smart to move on now. If, if Chelsea or Bayern or anybody or PSG are willing to come on board and take Ronaldo's wages off United's books, then... I think they should consider it. Um, I also think from Ronaldo's point of view, he really wants to be remembered as the best ever, doesn't he? And he's had 19 seasons consecutively in the Champions League. This will be the first time since 2003 he's not been in the competition. And when we go back to that debate of Ronaldo versus Messi, will Ronaldo want to be remembered as a 37-year-old playing in the Europa League when Messi, his fierce counterpart, is still at the highest level with PSG? Okay, the domestic league isn't as good in terms of standard, but he's still playing Champions League. I think it irks him that he might not be playing in those big games all the way through. He doesn't want to have a year break or he's not playing with the best. And that's maybe where this has come from. But I do agree that it's odds that we haven't heard about this kind of push before. But I think that's my that's my reading of the situation.
1: Harry, uh, would you like to see Ronaldo and Messi on the same team before they retire?
3: I'd kind of be curious to see it. Um, I don't think it would necessarily work as well as maybe sort of your imagination would tell you, because I don't think that the two particularly play in a similar way. I I just, I I don't really see it being something that if I were a football club, I would think was possible. Like how much money are you going to fork out to have both of those there? If there's anybody that can do it, it's PSG, I guess, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's more of a fantasy than a reality I'd imagine.
0: Wouldn't wouldn't it be fun though to see a a Mbappe, Ronaldo, Messi front three and a disgruntled Neymar on God knows how much money on the bench because nobody's able to stump up the money to take him away and he's just sat on the sidelines sulking because he's not one of the big three. I would find that personally amusing.
2: Um... I think Ronaldo would love to see Lionel watching him from a bench. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it would be interesting to see them together. Obviously, they've been pitted as rivals, so the direction. I don't think we could about
2: that Qatari thing, Scott. You know, there's they're, they're out there there are they're thinking about those billboards before the World Cup. Imagine having Ronaldo over there; they'd be doing um, PR for them. Having them four doing PR for you, I don't. You can, I don't think we can really underestimate how much the Qataris would love that.
1: We'll see how it plays out. I mean, obviously, this has only come about the last few days. And uh, Ronaldo, he does want to win. He'd love to win another Champions League. He's the top scorer in the Champions League as well. That's probably hanging over him, the fact that Messi could start closing that gap with a year or two out of the Champions League. Uh, He doesn't want to play in the Europa League. I I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, But one player who will be playing in the Europa League next season is Christian Eriksen, because he has chosen to join Man United on the plus side, on the positive side for Man United. We understand that he'll sign a three-year deal. We also understand that it's around Graham in the region of £150,000 a week, with the addition of bonuses perhaps taking it up a little bit. Uh Good signing, do you think, Graham?
2: Um, I... I I thought it was better I did listen to Danny Murphy yesterday actually on on the radio and then he was, <laughs> so did it, Harry <laughs> it, it was interesting I thought you know the way they phrased it yeah I think it's decent for for Ten Hag's system but I do, do agree his point does uh, does this bring united any closer to the top 3 no but I guess their rivals, does it bring them closer to a Tottenham? Possibly, because that's the right. You're looking at fourth place at best night next season, Scott. So you're looking at who's going to finish fourth, maybe. So I think it's a useful sign. Again, we really don't know what the system is going to play as. We suspect it's going to be a three with De Jong And then you've got Eriksen and then Fernandes, It's and Van der Beek, possibly. Um, he clearly doesn't rate someone in there. <laughs> he clearly doesn't rate someone. I fear for our favourites, McFred. I do, I do. So we'll see where they're. I, they I can end see up.
1: Fred absolutely loving life under Ten Hag personally.
2: But I think Van der Beek. But where's then Van der Beek, Fernandez?
1: He, people jump to Van der Beek, say like, "Oh, he used to play for Ten Hag. He must love him. Must absolutely love him. He hasn't been able to get a look in at United or Everton, really. I don't think it's a shoe in to start every week. Fred's energy is just." Fred gets a lot of stick. He really does. But I think if he's used in the right right way, his energy in the right way, I think he's a very useful player. He's just not had a... Everyone looks at these United players as being god-awful, but they haven't had a manager over the last five years who actually improves players. Toby, I think you're looking like you're going to say something
0: there. Yeah, no, I agree. And just going back to the point of whether Christian Eriksen would improve United, he undoubtedly would because the one thing United haven't had it's an option off the bench to come and improve things when after an hour they're a goal down, who would they bring on in central midfield? If Pogba was already on or Fernandes was already on, they didn't have or they don't have a creative midfielder who's got that quality to change a game. And Christian Eriksen has got that. He's proven that for years and years and years at Spurs, showed glimpses last season at Brentford that he's still got that quality. Um And no, he won't be a a regular starter i wouldn't imagine but he will play his fair share of games from the start and he's a great option to bring on if united need a goal um so i think he's smart and i also agree that fred gets a hell of a lot of stick for what he offers i actually think scott McTominay is the one who doesn't have the quality he's got the fight and the desire um and the fitness but actual quality reading of the game all the things that you need to be a top midfielder I think Fred actually has to nudge on him.
1: Harry, what was was your take on Danny Murphy's comments? (laughs)
3: Um, I got what he was saying in that, you know, he's he's maybe not elite, elite level anymore or maybe never was Christian Eriksen. Like as, you know, that term world-class, you know, we do welcome to world-class every year. We know that that term does get banded about a little bit too frequently in my view. But I still think he's a good addition. Like I, I wouldn't be sort of, dumping on the signing. Like, I I think he's a really good addition. I think he would bring a creativity and a guile to that midfield. I think he'll take some of the creative responsibility away from Bruno Fernandes, who, you know, is pretty much the only one in that midfield now. And you think, as we've mentioned, Pogba's gone. Um, You know, I know he didn't always deliver, but he's got that in his locker. McTominay, Fred, do they really bring that to the table? I don't think so. So I think Christian Eriksen is a good addition. He's a shrewd piece of business. And um, what a colleague said to me yesterday, which I thought really rang true, was had Spurs signed Christian Eriksen on a free transfer, everybody would be talking about what a great and smart piece of business it was. But because it's Manchester United, they're almost saying, well, no, it's, it's not good enough for Manchester United. But Spurs are in the Champions League and United aren't. So I just think it's the lens that we sometimes look at Manchester United through. And nobody really wants to give credit to a piece of business or say it's a marquee signing when, and I'm not saying this is a marquee signing, but nobody wants to give it the credit it deserves because it's for free, basically.
0: It's, yeah, it's also a financially savvy deal for United. Yeah. No transfer fee, 150,000 a week is kind of the ballpark if you want to get a player of Ericsson's caliber. A three year contract, he's a consistent performer as well. It's just smart business. You'd rather do this deal then go and overpay for a 24, 25-year-old who is perhaps an upstart and you're taking a bit of a risk. Ericsson is guaranteed proven Premier League quality. And as Harry says, if Spurs signed him, we'd be saying, great job, Antonio Conte. You've bulked out your midfield with a quality player.
1: Yeah, uh, another important thing to say on Ericsson is it depends on the lens that you look at it through because if Ericsson was the... The main signing that United will be making this summer, I, I'd look at this completely differently. Yes, that wouldn't be enough, but I think his professionalism, his ability with the ball—you know—I don't really have a lot of high-quality passes to be honest. They don't have that professionalism. Uh, that's something that's been leveled at them over the past few year, few months and that kind of thing. He's just a a solid pro. Who knows what he can Eric Ten Hag knows what he can do. They worked together at Ajax as Ericsson was recovering after the incident at the Euros. And I just think it makes it makes a lot of sense. Flexible player can do a lot with the ball, can fill in wherever Eric Ten Hag needs him. And if they can get De Jong over the line, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and I think it'll be just one small part of Eric Ten Hag's plan to rebuild United. But Erickson has rejected a return to Brentford to make this happen, Graham. Uh, but Brentford are confident of two new signings, as far as we know.
2: Yeah, there's a piece up on, on site now. You'd to read it in descriptions. Um, Aaron Hickey and Keen Lewis Potter look to be on their way to the Brentford Community Stadium. Getting that right. Um, Hickey, a, a very good talent, Hickey. He's a sensational player. He's he's one of the most two-footed players in Europe. I was one of the few scouts on this where he genuinely is two-footed, the best two-footed player since Dennis Irwin, I heard Scott. Just he was described as. Um, Dennis so-
1: Irwin, if you're if you're listening to this and you're <laughs> and not you, you were born in the late nineties or whatever, Dennis Irwin was bloody brilliant. I absolutely love Dennis Irwin. Cornerstone, anyway,
2: of, cornerstone of Sir Alex Ferguson's yeah, team, which won its first title um, back in the day. But yeah, Hickey's coming in. Brentford are usually going to use him as a right back. We understand that's what the position he's looking at. Player who Arsenal looked at. But obviously, I think I think Hickey himself was looking for the regular first team football. He's coming in for about 14 million. The deal might go up to 20, depending on what he does. And it's a very similar amount for Keane Lewis Potter who has made a lot of talks for him. Watford had a bid rejected. West Ham have looked at him closely. I think the thing with West Ham is, obviously, they couldn't guarantee him first-team football. So, again, I think that's swayed the deal for Brentford here. He'll come in, I think, a part of the attacking three. Um, he'll be a player who I think a lot of clubs will keep a very close eye on. He's one who might not stay too long at Brentford if they perform as they expect him to. So, he's a, he's a very good player. He's a bit Jared bowen a um, bit more of a winger than Jared Boyne I would say obviously I've seen him quite a lot as a for fan but he's a he's a huge talent so he's broken into the England youth squad and he is one who I think has been a bit under the radar because he is at Hull but he's a really really good player and um, two very good pieces of business for Brentford here uh,
1: On Aaron Hickey uh, Harry, Arsenal, I know, I know I think you've done shows on Aaron Hickey uh, as well on your channel Uh what do you know of him as a player? Are you kind of upset that he's going to Brentford do you think he was an Arsenal priority or is this
3: how what's your take on this i don't think he was a priority um i think a couple of a sort of well established arsenal sort of journalists have come out and said that while he was somebody that was on the radar that they'd looked at and, and sent people over to watch, he wasn't anybody that they were going to move for in terms of actually making an offer and, and trying to get that deal done this summer. I like Aaron Hickey. I think he's got a lot going for him, um, as Graham's alluded to. The fact that he can play on either side is so rare as a fullback to be equally comfortable on, on either side is brilliant. And that's why I think from an Arsenal perspective, we probably felt as fans that he'd be a really good cover, you know, a backup option, because we saw at the back end of last season when Tommy Asu was out for a period of time, when Tierney was out, we really, really struggled to backfill those positions. So I can understand the links, but I'm not quite sure that Aaron Hickey is ready to play at a big club in the Premier League just yet. I think Brentford is a perfect move for him. I really do, because I think they play a good standard of football and a good style of football, despite not being one of the Premier League big boys. So he'll get the opportunity to show what he can do, get used to the Premier League, but without the pressure that comes at an Arsenal or a Man United. And as Graham alluded to, the fact that he's going to play week in, week out, it seems is only going to do him good in his career. So I think that's a much better move for him from a personal standpoint than he would have made going elsewhere and essentially being a backup somewhere and and maybe sort of falling into the shadows a little bit.
1: Uh, Toby, I'm going to move on and fire three names at you. Uh, Armando Broja, Conor Gallagher, Levi Colwell, and ask you what's happening uh, with these three players all in the Chelsea youth ranks.
0: Well, we'll start with Armando Broja, whose future is uncertain to say the least. Um, we know Chelsea are undergoing a bit of a squad overhaul this summer, or Thomas Tuchel would like one at the very least, particularly with the forward line, and Brozier spent last season on loan at Southampton, scored six goals in 32 Premier League games, which doesn't sound great, but I think it was his all-around performances for Southampton that really caught the eye, physical, agile, quick, a good finisher, did score a couple of outstanding goals, um, and just generally looked good for a 20-year-old getting his first taste of Premier League football, and there were high hopes that he could make it at Chelsea, but... It appears Chelsea have not decided fully what to do with him. They could sell him permanently. Um, interest from West Ham and Everton, and also Southampton, which I'll come back to in a second. Whether to loan him or whether to keep him, because they've got rid of Romelu Lukaku, as we know. He's gone to into Milan on loan. And Timo Werner's future at Chelsea is not 100% clear. He could be used as part of a deal to bring in Matthias De Ligt. And if that happens... Chelsea don't have a centre forward, but Chelsea may consider letting him go. We think the price that they might ask for would be around 30 to 35 million. And it's our understanding that Southampton, having initially thought a deal might not be there for them, have gone back to Chelsea and have made a bid to try and bring Roja back to St Mary's on a permanent deal. And they've also asked about Levi Colwell, who had an outstanding loan spell at Huddersfield's Town last year, unfortunately, scored a own goal in the promotion playoff final, but was very good throughout the campaign. We do expect him to be given an opportunity at Chelsea um, during pre-season to impress. And we know Chelsea need to do something with their defence. They've lost Rudiger, Christensen, etc., and are yet to bring anybody in. But Southampton like him. They like Brogier. Um Conor Gallagher is a player we expect to stay at Chelsea and to be part of Tuchel's plans moving forward, but it's still a conversation around what formation Chelsea are going to play in. It's going to be largely dependent on the signings that they make as to whether or not Gallagher can command a place in a team. There's no indication that he's going to be allowed to go out on loan again, but he'll have ambitions of playing in the World Cup. And I think if Conor Gallagher gets wind that he's not going to be a fixture in this Chelsea team, he might be the one to say, look, I want to be playing football. Um, I'm in Gareth Southgate's plans right now, maybe let me go out on loan again um, to ensure I get that place. But as it stands, we think Chelsea are going to build for a future with Gallagher in it. Brozier, on the other hand, Graham, we're not so convinced we'll be there.
2: No, it's an interesting one. Chelsea are clearly clearing house up front. We know Hakim Ziyech is in talks with, with Milan. Are they making being, space for Ronaldo. Vern has <laughs> been offered all over the so, shop. Well, we not. I, I think from what I've been told, and we'll probably do something later in the week. There's a couple of big names in Europe, which uh, I need to firm up that Chelsea are being linked to some younger versions of Ronaldo, shall we say? I think there might be two strikers in because I don't think Havertz will be interesting to see where he plays. And obviously their main target is Raheem Sterling. And even if he does come in, where does Raheem play? He could play down the middle, play at the side. He, he That deal isn't a million miles away. Um, Run us through detailed. that, Graham, while, while you're on the topic. Yeah, Chelsea are growing increasingly confident of this one. And City are clearly of the attitude. New deal hasn't been agreed. It won't be agreed. So they're selling him. It's a very interesting tactic from City. Um obviously it's up to the player because Stern can stay stay put and go on a free next season. But he obviously likes the the project that's in place at Chelsea. He's obviously hearing a lot of the targets have got we will move on to Matthias DeLict, another Chelsea target. They're going for some big names here. Um and if they can get Raheem Sterling in, that's a pretty good start. Um we know Rafinha again, who we'll touch on, probably isn't happening, but Chelsea, yeah, but they do, they do need to clear the decks, as we say. So the likes of Zajic, Werner, Pulisic, we know, is being offered, again, as part of De Ligtiel. and we talked about with Newcastle. So as well as the defence, which, again, may lose Aspilic, question and Alonso as well. We mentioned I think, a few weeks ago where I said Chelsea don't need major surgery, just a bit of a few um, procedures, but it does look major surgery is taking place now. And I think that's because Tuchel wants that to happen and he's been given free reign to um, bring in the people he wants. So I think, it, and I know they don't have many people upstairs, but I think the trust in Tuchel here, and I think that's a positive for Chelsea, trusting him to do the rebuild. If, it's, if it is his team, let him do it.
1: Yeah, you can read about the Sterling story on 90min.com. Uh, Also mentioned there a couple of times, Matthias Delict as well. Uh, Chelsea in the running for him, but we also understand there's interest from Bayern. Is that correct, Graham? How do you anticipate this one playing out?
2: Yeah, this one has suddenly materialized a bit more. As we said, though, I don't think a massive amount has changed from when we spoke about it before that Juventus don't want to sell. But if someone meets a £100 million asking price, which is a little bit less than his release clause, if someone's willing to pay €100 million for him, then they'll allow it. We know Bayern have had their interest peaked, but I don't see Bayern Munich paying 100 million euros for him in any way, shape, or form. And as, as it stands, even Chelsea aren't willing to do it. Chelsea are trying to offer players. We you know Pulisic is of interest to Juventus, which is an interesting one. Um, as I'm not a huge fan of Pulisic, I don't think it'd be a huge loss, but I could see him at Juventus. So, yeah, Todd Burley, we we presumed he'd be doing some wheelie-dealing trading. He's living up to it at the moment. He really is trying to do as many deals as he can for some of these big names. De Ligt, yeah, it seems Chelsea are firm favourites for him at the moment if he if he leaves. If, if they're willing to do a €100 a million Euro deal, then Chelsea got a great chance of getting him. And where this impacts on someone like Jules Koundé... I was told by someone at Chelsea, or because they're looking at N'ffnaki, sorry, as part of the Man City deal as well. And I said, "Well, how can you do Ake, Kounde and Delict? He said, "Well, we've lost three big centre halves in the last nine months, and I did forget about Kurt Zuma leaving in August to West Ham, and then they've lost Christiansen and they've lost Ridiger as well. So it's not outlandish to think they could bring three new centre halves in because they haven't replaced them. Some big business
1: happening at Chelsea potentially over the next few weeks and months." Uh, we mentioned Juventus there, but we should move on uh, just across Italy to, well, actually a former Juventus player now, released by Juventus at the end of his contract, Paolo Di Bala. Uh Harry, obviously you, big fan of Italian football, watch a lot of it. He's gone on a free transfer, Paolo Di Bala. We understand, and I'll come to you in a second, Graham, about uh, Inter, a move to Inter being quite likely as it stands uh what are your impressions of Dybala as a player he's obviously getting into his late 20s now uh maybe he hasn't really delivered on the potential he had when he was a youngster it's not really gone to plan for him but I I quite like him as a player uh do you think he'd make
3: a good fit at Inter um I like him as a player too I agree with you that he hasn't necessarily fulfilled the potential that he's shown at times in his career I don't know about Inter um I really don't I mean Lukaku's gone back there. Lautaro Martinez will play up top alongside him. I don't really know where Dabala fits in that system. Um, it is a system with wing backs, it's very similar to the one that Antonio Conte had. Simone Inzaghi tactically isn't all that different to him. So, yeah, I don't really know that that's the right place for him to go, but I think that there is a possibility that he will end up there. And um, I think that. With Dabala, you, you're in a position where you look at him and you, you clearly see a talent, but you wonder whether it's worth the investment, i.e. the big wages, the signing on fee, given he's a free agent now as well. It's one you got to weigh up carefully, I think, because injuries have been a big, big problem for him. And and it's always sort of stunted his upward trajectory, if you like. So I'm a little bit worried. I'd be reluctant if I were a, a club owner to go and spend big, big money on him. But, you know, the fact that it is a free and any signing-on fee is going to be less than a transfer fee might tempt people, I just personally would be a little bit reluctant.
1: Yeah, uh, Graham, we've uh, put a story up on this, on nightman.com in the last couple of days. Uh, free agent, obviously, you know, you know uh, since the Ronaldo news has emerged and Paulo Dybala's been on the market, I've thought, potential for United there? But it doesn't look like there's any English interest in it looks like Inter is the destination, right?
2: Yeah, I think it's once a bit and twice shy for the English clubs. We know Debala has flirted with England before, he even held extensive talks with United at some point and other clubs. And I don't think the English clubs believe that Dabala wants to come to England. You know, I think they I it's a bit like Vlaovic um in January. You know, there's not many clubs who believe obviously they can say he wants to come, etc. but I don't believe that United and and Chelsea, etc. will be lured into this. I think he'll be staying in Italy.
1: Tottenham, of course, uh, the, the famous image rights issue. Uh, we have a number of Tottenham fans in the 90-min offices in London, uh, and they were quite excited and quite gutted when that uh, that didn't happen at the time. I'm sure you remember that, Toby.
0: I do. Uh, lots of tears, lots of upset. A lot of wow, 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 as we call it in spur circles, but that's kind of dissipated now they've qualified for the Champions League. They're all... They're all happy about life, which I'm not used to. I'm not sure I'm particularly comfortable with it either.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that is the title of the Spurs podcast on the Nightingale Network. It's actually not. I'm joking there, but uh, let's let's move on and wrap up the show. I mean, we've mentioned to Rafinha to Barcelona uh, already. Uh, Place for leads, obviously. So we'll do kind of a lead section to end up the show. Uh, Graham, if you could tell us what the latest is on Rafinha to Barcelona is and how Leeds are planning to spend any potential money they receive. Yeah,
2: re- Rafinha, I was about, I was about I to correct myself. I was about to say it's really interesting about Rafinha, but nothing at the minute about Rafinha is that interesting. Um, it, at the moment, we did a story at the weekend, it emerged that Barcelona have agreed to pay Leeds the money that they want, that Chelsea offered. I said they've, they've agreed to do it, they haven't put it in writing, they haven't laid out how they're going to do it, etc., this doesn't surprise anyone when it comes to Barcelona at the minute. And that means this, this deal isn't really progressing just yet. They've agreed to pay his wages. So it's all very much a verbal situation here, which, as we know, Leeds probably don't know they can't go and spend anyone's verbal offer. So, yeah, as it stands, Chelsea got the offer on the table. Arsenal are still there in the background because he hasn't gone anywhere yet. But Rafinha, as we said, he wants to go to Barcelona, it's the only club he wants to play for and Leeds are going to have to do some sort of deal with Barca, which I think they will. Barca are pushing really hard, which I think the fact that Barca have started to push hard has only convinced Rafinha further that this is the place to go. I think if Barcelona hadn't made that approach last week to Leeds in response to Chelsea, I think he may have swayed to Chelsea or even Arsenal and thought, you know, if you're not making the effort, why should I? But I think the fact he's seen Barcelona make that effort means he will end up in catalonia and yeah they are spending scott Leeds. they've already sat done a few major deals this summer they've got uh, rasmussen in they've got aaronson in who's i'm forgetting the third leads deal that they did rasmussen Mark Aronson, Rocker, Mark Rocker Mark I mean thank, thank you tc yeah that, indeed but they're also closing in on deals for siniestra from Feyenoord the colombian winger linked united at some point scott i believe yeah um very good player and The replacement for Calvin Phillips, Tyler Adams, the American, who I was impressed with. He was one of the few players I was impressed with uh, when they played Rangers last year. He looks an English type of centre midfielder. So I think Leeds fans can be quite happy, actually, the deals they're doing. Yes, we know they'll be gutted about losing Rafinha and Phillips, but they knew it was coming. But I think Leeds, yeah, the, the current owners, um, they're probably responding to those sack the ball chants, which I heard during the Brighton home game in Southampton. The Leeds fans, slight overreaction. But yeah, Leeds are doing a decent bit of business here. And I think Tyler Adams particularly will be very... I know he's American and they'll say that with Jesse Marsh, but he's a good player. I, I like Tyler Adams a lot. And this Siniestra, yeah, he's a, he's a cracking talent and reminds me very much of Rafinha when he came from Ren. So, no, I'm, I think Leeds are doing good business here
1: strong profile of player that leads are looking at you know that uh young early 20s kind of player with potential sell-on value it's a good model to follow for pre- clubs that are new to the premier league uh later down the line two three years time could these players turn into more 40 to 60 million players that leads can sell on and they can just keep regenerating it's probably the right way to go Uh, But we are out of time today. Thank you very much to Toby, Graham, and Harry. You can follow us all on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Harry Simiou, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. This has been Talking Transfers. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. And we'll see you very soon, later this week. Thanks for listening.